Well, here's a woman describing what depression felt like when she was a teenager. It was just overwhelming. I felt like it was hard to get out of bed in the morning. I felt like I didn't have what it took inside of me to do life. I felt like I just didn't have what it took because I was so overwhelmed by that darkness. I I didn't feel sad all the time. I just was completely discouraged. It was hard for me to see my future. Hmm. Well, you're going to be hearing more about teen depression today on Focus on the Family and what you can do about it. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus president and author... Jim Daly. Uh, John, depression suicide rates among kids is staggering. The numbers are just going off the charts. And we as parents should all be alarmed and concerned. Everyone should be alarmed and concerned. According to the Department of Health and Human Services, more than 3 million adolescents, that's ages uh, 12 to 17, reported at least one major depressive episode in the past year. And more than 2 million reported severe depression that impeded their daily functioning, just like uh, what we heard from that young lady there. Here at Focus on the Family, we want to be here for you, and we want to be here for you in every aspect of your parenting. And today, we want to come alongside you and help you understand the difference between normal teen behavior and when you should have cause for concern. And most importantly, to help you and equip you to understand the warning signs of depression in your teen. And our guest today is Dr. Gregory Jantz. He's a psychologist and the author of dozens of books, including The Stranger in Your House, uh, which is the subject of today's conversation. Dr. Jantz, welcome back to Focus on the Family. Oh, very good to be with you. What an important topic we have. Oh, it's so true. And, you know, just here in Colorado Springs, uh, we have had uh, an escalation of teen suicide that is... Um, breathtaking. Yes. Two of the schools, not far from focus on the family here, have had 12 suicides in the last two, three years. It's more and, common than uh, we ever would imagine. What is happening, Gregory? What What sure. is going on in the psyche of the teenagers today? Some Christians, these are Christian homes that are impacted as well. Uh, what is going on that gives them such hopelessness? We're living in a time and a culture with our kids that it's hard for us to imagine the pressures that they may be feeling. There's the pressure of, I have to be a certain way. The big question, where do I fit in? I've got the pressure of technology, social media. So there's a lot that's running in the background for kids these days that we may not fully understand just the level of pressure that that's creating. A lot of our kids right now, if you ask them about the future, there's a general sense of just they're apathetic. It's like if I look at the future, it doesn't look that great. And uh, they're also seeing parents who are struggling with depression. So we have a lot of issues out there Mm. that our kids are, are seeing, and they're carrying a very heavy weight we're not always aware of. Yeah. You know, the faith component to this, along with your background in psychology as a psychologist, in many ways, it must startle you. It must concern you. But even beyond that, you're a dad of two teenagers. I am. So that practical experience of what they're going through, what their friends are going through, um, do you have any description in that regard? What do you see firsthand as a parent like the rest of us? Sure. Well, we need to also, and we love our kids dearly, don't we? And we we want to be able to reach into their lives and understand what's going on. So a teenager, though, they're going through a lot of changes. They it's are. Like there's a shedding of the skin. Maybe, you know, it's like, <laughs> true. okay, I thought I knew her, I thought I knew him, and all of a sudden there's this change. And you go, 
who is this? Who is living in my house? I don't know you anymore. And so there's a natural uh, transformation, shall we call it. And sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes it's like, oh, no, I don't even know how to relate to my kid anymore. So I'm going to call all that pretty normal. Yeah. That's normal. And that is, what, as a parent, what are some of those things that are, differentiate between normal and now I'm yes. a little worried? And that's what we need to look at. Yeah. So a teen may go through, there's the moodiness, there's an awkwardness. You know, the big question is, who am I and where do I fit in? So, but when you begin to see that suddenly their social circle has changed, it's the kid who has the earbuds in their ear and they're never taking them out. It's like they're disconnecting. You're seeing them disconnect from a peer group. You may see them disconnect from the family. And you know something's going on, but it's like you can't reach them. If it's a young man, you may say, hey, what's going on? How are you? And the, what, it's one word answer, fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, how do I reach him or her? If you notice that um, they're withdrawing more and more. Now, there's sometimes this can be normal. They're working through some things. But we're talking three months have passed. Uh, maybe academically we see some concerns. They're not wanting to do the normal things they were doing, be with the friends. Uh, you don't see them. Their routines have changed. Maybe they want to hide out in, in their room. You see a constant negativity. So we're looking for a pattern that is lasting over a period of time. Mm. And we also may really need to listen to the words they're using. They may be using fewer words, but kids give us some clues. Yeah. Um, you know, like, nobody likes me. Or um, they may say things that uh, surprise you. Um, nobody cares about me. And, and things that normally you didn't hear them say. Now, some of that can be very... Uh, normal. Yes. I remember being a seven-year-old, and I was depressed because my older brothers and sisters uh, seemed to get all the fun, and they got all the permission to do right. fun things. And that, you know, I'm way later born than they were, six years to my closest sibling. But I remember one time going around. This is actually silly, but just saying, "I'm going to kill myself because nobody here loves me." Right. And there's a difference between kind of just isolation and then real depression. I mean, looking back on that, I was just a child who was lonely but looking it, for attention looking for attention yeah. more especially with my extroversion it's like nobody's paying attention to me yes <laughs> and that bugs me um, for that parent how do you discern mm -hmm. adequately okay. between okay this is just he's feeling isolated versus uh oh we better take him to a psychologist sure if you're not able to have time where they're able to tell you what's going on. And, you know, it could be a kid may feel betrayal. My friends have rejected me. Particularly um, for boys, they're going to handle this differently generally, but a sense of betrayal, I feel rejected. And you may see some real aggressive behavior. You may see them really withdraw. Um, we may see a time of a lot of tears. But as we look at what, if we cannot connect with them, and, and you know, here's what I'm going to suggest. Don't just go into their room and say, take those earbuds out of your ears and, and let's talk. That's probably not going to work. It drives them probably to more silence. <laughs> right. But um, if you can find a way uh, to engage in some activity with them, and I think sometimes as simple as, hey, let's go out for just a little walk. I want to have some time with you. Yeah. And begin to hear their heart. What's going on? How were they hurt? 
You see, a kid who gets hurt repeatedly, rejections, betrayal, they may not know even how to process that or what's going on. How do I even put that into words? You've probably noticed, by the way, your boys may be a little slower to put uh, (laughs) feelings into words, uh, generally speaking. But help them. We've got to find a way to connect with them, be with them physically. Now, if you're just seeing ongoing deterioration, we really do need to step in and intervene. And I think there's a place where we've got to get some help to our kids. We don't want to wait too long. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, again, in my little illustration, by the next day, I was fine. I was back to normal and having fun. But just that one day, I really had a a funky feeling about where I was at, kind of what you're saying. As a parent, you have to be aware of, okay, this is just a momentary thing. Don't freak out. Don't panic. Um, And then when it's prolonged, that lack of resilience is an issue. It is. Lack of resilience. They're not coming back. So let's also not... I call it freak out. Um, (laughs) Your kid has a bad day and you go, oh no, what's going on? Um, No, they're going to have those. And they need to learn how to emotionally deal with tough days. And they need to process. We need to allow them the space to do that. And part of this is growing up. But when we come to a place where they're not responding and the darkness, that cloud is growing darker. Mm. um, One thing I hear from parents is, I wish... We wouldn't have waited so long. I wish we would have done something sooner. Dr. Jantz, I want to ask you about the technology issue because you yes. described that a moment mm-hmm. ago. And uh, just at church on Sunday, I was, right. uh, you know, we take a, two, three minutes to introduce ourselves to those yes. around us. And there was a family. It appeared to me that it was probably the first time they had come to the church. And uh, there are three or four teenagers in the family. And I said hello to each one of them, right. made sure I right. got their name. Yes. And uh, one had buds in yes. her ears. And I remember I got to her, I extended my hand to her, and she kind of quickly took the buds out. And she was, you know, yeah. very good about greeting me. But the question for me is, are we, uh, with technology use, it's not the technology, it's a neutral thing, but the overuse, the lack of boundaries on that, to be right. listening to buds in a church service to me seemed odd. Yes. Yeah. But how do we as parents uh, approach our kids, especially us Christians, to right. say, you know, you shouldn't overindulge in this? Because it's creating a framework that allows you to go into a hole that I think depression can feed on. Oh, absolutely. And we need to talk about, there's an underground world in uh, the cyber world for our youth. And I say underground is, is things are happening that we are not aware of. You know, it used to be, worried about a little bit about text messaging. Now it's all the different social media. Kids run, I call it in herds, you know, what's what's popular today, there's a new app, you know, everybody's running to, so they run in herds. And we need to understand that the kids are dealing with cyberbully behavior. Right. And some things that we need to know it's going on. There's there's you know, tragic issues of people being bullied, uh, cyberbullying. Um, there's a slang right now with kids uh, in this arena. They're saying, ah, just kill yourself. Ah, just kill yourself. Right, like it's, it's a throwaway it's, it's like line. A, it's like a tagline. Yeah. Um, well, and there, there was that recent case where that girl was convicted for not, in, yes. you know, not doing something to help uh, her boyfriend uh, not kill himself. And I thought that was chilling yeah. that she was yes. egging him on supposedly. Right. And then, uh, you know, the courts found that that is playing a role in 
him making that decision to kill himself. Every teenager, every parent should talk about that with their teens to say, hey, never encourage somebody to take their own life. Um, never stand by. I mean, do what you can do to help. And we in the Christian community should be at the forefront of that, helping people hold on to life. Yes, Jim, you're right. Let me uh, ask you, in the book, you encourage parents to pause, close their eyes, and think about their teen. This one yes. really caught my attention okay. uh, because I thought it was kind of a very clarifying comment. Yeah. Um, why is that image so important? And what are the images that parents you counsel with? What do they say when you have them close their eye and think of their teenager? What do they say? Well, we need this is a good test because if we've got an image of that's negative towards our kid and our image in our mind is, oh, it's, he or she is so troubled and you've got a lot of anxiety around this image, that's not helping. I want you to go back to the positive places, the memories, the things that you know that your son and daughter are gifted in. I want you to have a positive image and, importantly, of their future. They may really be struggling now, but God has a future for them. And we need to be a part of being a positive image for their future. You know, you say that. I had never thought about it in this context, but when Jesus is walking the earth, and encountering so many human beings that yes. were broken and I'm sure had depression even back then right. without modernity. But Jesus is the epitome of saying there's hope. Mm. I mean, he must have seen what the woman caught in adultery could be. Yes, He could see the woman at the well and what she could become. He could look at the apostles, the fishermen, right? And call out to Peter because he knew what he could become. Yes. Um, that's in some way what you're saying as it a parent. Is. You need to look and have hope God for has your a, child. God has a plan, even though the struggle is real. There is a plan, and many of these teenage struggles will be used for good. Mm. And you can, through this, deepen your relationship with your kids. Mm. Hang in there with it. <laughs> okay, so I, I just dropped my teen off yes. um, at some event, and we had a big fight, and I can't get to that positive image. What's something practical I can do? So you as see a the fist shaking. Yeah. Yes. You know? It just it ended pretty poorly, and that negative, it's a stinky image, okay? You're right. How do I get to the positive, Dr. Jans? Well, and it's easy. When things aren't going well and you have a negative event, yeah. Then we'll start thinking about, oh, you know, and, and, he, and he never does this. And he always argues. And you start focusing on the negative. Okay, I want you to find a way, though. Maybe it was a little rough ending, but I want us to find a way to reconnect uh, with, and it, it may be the next day, but you're going to work on, okay, I am going to find a way to reconnect and speak some positive words into my daughter or my son's life because God has a plan for them. Yes, there's some rough edges right now. <laughs> I get that. And remember, they're testing. They're testing boundaries. Mm -hmm. They're going to be testing in words they use. They're testing. They're growing. They are expanding. And some of it's going to be a little messy sometimes. Don't over-personalize it. One of the things that we do as a parent is, oh, I failed. What have I done wrong? You know, I failed. I'm not a good parent. And we start to get negative on ourselves. Keep equipping yourself. A lot of great resources to equip yourself. But let's not get self-absorbed that, oh, this is all my problem. And if we would have only done this or that, it's easy to go to the past. And we're going to go to the future here. Dr. Jantz, the role for me right now with two teen boys is trying to keep them buoyant. 
in their environments. And that may be over-parenting, and I'm yes. wide open to correct. <laughs> okay. But, but, you know, there's certain things I want them to feel good about, even though they may have issues. Uh, maybe their appearance isn't quite what right. it could be. Um, maybe they're not washing their face or brushing their teeth yeah, exactly. as often as they could be. And you go, mm, you're right. 17 now. How come you're not doing these things? <laughs> right. So the, the point of all that, though, is how much undergirding can we do that's realistic and how much becomes that helicopter parent that you're actually enabling them and creating this a reliant person, not a self-reliant person. Right. And we do need to be careful about over-rescuing. But there are some fundamental expectations that are okay. Um, as we grow up, we do brush our teeth and we do shampoo our hair. And there's some fundamental self-care <laughs> that we need to be sure that mm. they are doing. Um, by the way, a depressed teen will stop all that self-care. Oh. You're going to see, again, uh, they're not taking care of themselves. It doesn't matter anymore. They haven't showered for three days. And you're going to begin to see some of those are signs. You're going to also see a lot happening in sleep. Either they want to sleep all the time or they're not sleeping at all. And okay, so for parents of teen boys, yes. you just panicked all of us because many teen boys, especially 13, 14, right. They're exhibiting that behavior, but they're still in the normal zone. Oh, they Can are. Can you differentiate okay, yes, for us? Yes. That, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you, when they're it, stuck it, there and their hygiene isn't that critical, so many parents are saying, that's my son. Right, right. <laughs> yes. That so, doesn't necessarily mean they're on a depression no, streak. it doesn't. It can mean that. So particularly what we're looking for, though, is a person that has had some sudden changes, and this may be one of them. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, Dr. Jantz, we're going to continue to dive into this, and we'll get into it more next time. But let's tip now toward more of the depression yes. and the suicide. Uh, in your book, Warning Signs, and you've touched on some of them, sure. but I want to succinctly mention them here. Self-injury, smoking, shoplifting, anxiety, eating disorders, drinking, uh, you know, alcoholic beverages, drugs as a teenager, or maybe even a preteen. These are certainly signs that you've got issues and you've got trouble. Right. Um, for those parents that are hearing that, and they don't know what to do, what's one of the first things they can do? One of the first things I want you to do is just be with your son or daughter. When I say be with, um, that may mean I'm going to engage probably in an activity. We're going to do something together, even if it means we're going to go out have dinner together, uh, physical activity. I'm going to go, we're going to go for a hike, but engage in something outside of the home and give an opportunity for them to process. Now, they may struggle putting it really in words. There's something called teenage shame. They may feel really shameful. They did something or something was said to them and they were really injured by it, and they feel a lot of shame, mm -hmm. and they feel like, I'm not good enough, or I'm defective, kids don't uh -huh. like me, they may feel that rejection. So I'm going to suggest, without a lot of pushing, you do more, more listening, even though there may be some long silences, but do more listening than pushing, but engage them in an activity. Now, that's the first thing, be with them. Right. Well, and, and what's beautiful about that is again i think that's the lord's heart what you're expressing i mean he yeah. didn't shame sinners right he came alongside them encouraged them forgave them and asked them to do better yeah and i think with parenting that's a, another great example talk about though further the power of shame because i think a lot of parents and i think we particularly as christian parents hmm. we can root our parenting in shame 
and we don't know the damage that we're doing. And, you know, personally, I just think shaming is perhaps the stick of dynamite sure. in your relationship. There's nothing more detrimental or more damaging than shaming your child because they're not meeting perfection. Yes, and we may not be aware that we're doing it too. We think we're doing the right thing. Yes. It's straightening kinda, them out. Sure, yeah. And they're feeling inadequate, so, unable. Right. Now, Jim, they're going to be hypersensitive to judgments, hypersensitive to what feels like being critical. And so you're going to easily offend a teenager sometimes. So, what does that sound like before so, we give more definition? Yeah. What does shaming sound like? Well, why didn't you, and whatever, fill in the blank. Are you okay. never? So Right. So there's a tone but also there's a judgment that comes across. Yeah, it's kind of like, why don't you just grow up? <laughs> you know, well, well, he is growing up, but so yeah. those are not helpful comments that really are judgments. Yeah, and so much of your relationship with your children will be defined in that moment, mm. you know, and uh, you better be prepared ahead of time, especially, again, in the Christian households where, um, you know, it may be your child looked at pornography and right. how are you going to handle that? Think about it before you encounter it so that you can handle it well. Yes. And we want to handle it well because we want to maintain a relationship with our kids. Mm. So maintain the relationship. They may have done something that you're so embarrassed about. You may be concerned about even in the community. Have they embarrassed our family? You know, you can begin to be mm. really concerned. Well, and so it, it's easy to... Um, say things that you're going to later regret. Let's look at uh, depression very specifically. Yes. We're going to come back next time and spend most of the, the time talking about depression and suicide. But um, in your book, you define three characteristics of depression. What are they? So one of the characteristics of the depression is it doesn't go away. This it's is persistent. It's persistent. Okay, so this is not just a mood. Uh, my kid is persisting in this mode and it's not going away. Mm. Another characteristic of depression is uh, my kid is not doing the uh, normal fundamental self-care and the basics. Now, I know that sometimes is challenging, but they have withdrawn from really reality or they're trying to create another reality online, an escape. So the, you may see a lot of escapism behaviors. You may see some um, drug experimentation. Um, obviously, there's pornography issues to be addressed. You may see a social group changing. Um, we may be at a place with depression and teens that they're speaking. And one of the characteristics is they can feel a lot of despair. I feel yes. despair. They feel hopeless. And for you, it may... It's like, you know, a friend, I felt rejected. For you, that may not be a real big deal. For them, it is a real big deal. Uh, Dr. Jantz, as we close, I'm thinking of the parent listening who's going, I have blown it. I have done all the shaming. I have, in order to correct the behavior, I've burst into the room. I've told them to take those buds out of their ears and get off their technology and things are going to be different now. So go take out the trash <laughs> right. and wash the car right. and get ready for church because we're leaving in 30 minutes and um, speak hope into that parent. Yes. What should they do differently and what can they do today, tonight that speaks life into their teenager? One of the things you can do is say, I love you so much and I am sorry. I really reacted and I'm sorry about some things I said. Will you please forgive me? 
Mm-hmm. Build a bridge of forgiveness. Parents make mistakes, and we say some things, go, oh, why did, how did I ever say <laughs> that? So you can build a bridge with forgiveness. Mm-hmm. That's well said. Well, we hope that this conversation has been helpful. And if you or your teen are, are struggling with depression, let me encourage you to find a local pastor or a counselor in your area. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller. It is alarming to hear the statistics on how many teenagers are struggling with depression and suicidal thoughts. If we don't educate ourselves on the prevalence of this dilemma, we may find ourselves caught off guard if our teen presents suicidal behavior. But Dr. Jans encouraged parents to keep the communication lines open with our children and to make sure they know we love and value them. If you have any concerns that your teen may be struggling with depression and you'd like to speak to someone about it, please don't hesitate to call our counseling department, where one of our trained counselors can speak with you over the phone or set up an online appointment. They can also refer you to a qualified professional in your area. That number to call is 031-716-3300. Or you can connect with the counseling team through our website at safamily.co.za. I'd also like to bring your attention to our Alive to Thrive initiative, which is a biblical guide to preventing teen suicide. This is a six-part series that will equip you, parents, teachers, and pastors, to help your kids pursue healthy lives and develop resilience in response to difficult times. So if you're a parent of teens, I'd really encourage you to take a look at this phenomenal resource, all completely accessible and freely available through our website at safamily.co.za. And while you're on the site, you'll see our recommended resource is a book by Stephen Girali called What Do I Do When Teenagers Are Depressed and Contemplate Suicide? For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you back tomorrow for the conclusion of our program when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.